good morning everyone. We're really happy that you could join us online this morning and our hope is that today you will feel encouraged by God's Word. We're really pleased to tell you that beginning next Sunday, February the 28th, we will be returning to in-person services at limited capacity. Registration for each Sunday service begins on Monday morning at 9 a.m. and closes on Friday at noon. You can register by going on our website and following the link or by calling the church office during office hours. Please remember that you must be pre-registered to attend. As always, if you have any prayer requests or if there's anything that we can help you with, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. So that's it for now. We hope you have a great day and God bless. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me
I'm needing you to move When you don't part the waters I wish I could love you When you don't give the answers As I cry out to you I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is taken from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus 
the Abana and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. May God add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. Hello, everyone. Perhaps some of you approach the end of 2020 like my friend Eeyore. End of the road. Nothing to do. And no hope of things getting better. Maybe you entered into 2021 with the motto, low expectation equals minimal disappointment. You were tired of getting your hopes up only to be disappointed. I must admit, after a very difficult and trying 2020, I decided I was going to approach 2021 with a different outlook. After all, a new year brings new possibilities, and I found myself with a sudden burst of positivity. Now, I have to admit, that burst of positivity lasted for about three days. It began to decline with the sudden development of a kidney stone attack that lasted for three weeks. And it didn't help that women who had given birth to multiple children informed me that kidney stones were more painful than childbirth. Now, to understand what this meant for me, Jennifer brought three children into this world without drugs, and I, on the other hand, begged the doctor for drugs every time. Before I could get past the kidney stone problem, we found ourselves, as a province, back into a state of emergency with a stay-at-home order. My expectations for 2021 had fizzled out, and I was starting to feel like Eeyore once again. Expectations are a significant part of every area of our lives. We have expectations of our marriage, of our children, of our families. We have expectations in our jobs, our church, with our pastors. We have expectations when we purchase things or plans that we make. We have expectations when we go on vacation. We have expectations when we order takeout or have it delivered to our house. Whenever there are expectations, there exists the possibility of disappointment, of disillusionment, frustration, anger, helplessness, hopelessness, feeling let down, feeling like no one cares. Unmet expectations have a profound impact on us and our relationships. Unmet expectations can have a profound impact on our relationship with God. Now today we are launching a new five-week sermon series, which we've entitled Letting Go, Letting Go. And over the next five weeks, we will be addressing some things that we must let go of in order to experience the quality of life that God desires for each of us. Now we'll begin the series today by addressing letting go of expectations. And we'll be considering the story of Naaman, which is found in 2 Kings, chapter five. And we will see today that the disappointment of unmet expectations can keep us from experiencing what God wants to do in our lives. The first thing I want us to see today is a broken warrior. The story of Naaman does not begin in Israel. 
It begins in Aram, which is what we today refer to as Syria. Naaman was a courageous soldier. He fought in many battles and was always victorious. He had proven himself time and time again. Now, as a result of his success, he was promoted to the position of commander. He had the respect of his men. He had a great reputation among the people. He was viewed to be strong, powerful, a warrior. He was their hero. Now, admiration for Naaman reached all the way to the king's court. He became a friend of the king. And consequently, Naaman became a wealthy and powerful leader. He was a poster boy of success. He seemingly had it all together. But despite his wealth, his power, his reputation, his position, Naaman developed a serious problem that could ultimately destroy him. After listing his great accomplishments in verse 1, there is a word in the scripture that grabs our attention, and the word is, but, but. It says, but he had leprosy. It appears that this was a new development since it had not obviously reached the most serious point yet. He's still in his position of leadership. Naaman had met an adversary that he would not be able to conquer. There was no cure that was known for leprosy. There was nothing he could do about his situation. Before long, it would advance in his body and he would be banished from his powerful position banished from his family and from his community. Leprosy would transport him from the king's court to the outskirts of town where he would beg for food and cry unclean to any who would come close to him. Naaman was a broken warrior who was about to lose everything that meant anything to him. Now, this is not where he expected that his life was going to end up. He's a broken warrior. Secondly, unmet expectations. At this point in the story, we're introduced to a character that I believe becomes one of the most important in the story. We're told that Naaman had a young Israeli girl who had been captured during an attack on Israel, and she was living in their home as a servant, a maid for his wife. The young girl was aware of Naaman's health predicament, and so she went to Naaman's wife and told her that she knew of a prophet in Israel named Elisha who could cure Naaman if he was able to go there and meet him. Now, as you can imagine, this was great news. Leprosy had robbed Naaman of any hope for his future. The possibility of being healed by this foreign prophet instilled some hope in him. And so Naaman went to the king to request permission to go to Israel. Not only did the king give him permission, but he wrote a letter for the king of Israel about the situation, and he also sent along some gifts. He sent 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of royal clothing as gifts to the king of Israel. When Naaman and his entourage arrived at the court of the Israeli king, they presented the king with the letter and the gifts. The king of Israel was overwhelmed by the requests for Naaman to be healed, and in fact felt threatened by the letter. He couldn't cure Naaman, 
and he interpreted the request for this healing as a desire from the king of Aram to provoke an attack on Israel. The king of Israel tore his robes as a sign of distress and fear. Now Elisha the prophet heard what had happened, and he sent for Naaman, asking him to come to his house in the countryside. And so Naaman arrived at this humble house of Elisha the prophet with his horses, his chariots, his wealth, and his display of power. Naaman, being a man of great pride and success, had expectations already regarding this upcoming encounter with Elisha. He had decided already in his mind how this situation would unfold, how it would go. Now, interestingly, this wealthy, powerful visitor was standing at the entrance of Elisha's home, but we're told that Elisha did not even come out personally to greet him. Instead, he sent a servant out to greet Naaman with a message to go and dip in the Jordan River seven times, and upon the seventh dip, he would be healed from leprosy. Now, Naaman was insulted by the whole encounter and went off in a state of rage. Now, it's interesting to note his words because his response is a declaration of his expectations. Expectations that were clearly not met. He said this, I thought that he, Elijah the prophet, would personally come out to meet me. He was insulted that the servant was sent instead. Didn't Elisha know who he was? Then he said, I expected him, once he came out, to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Instead, he was appalled by the thoughts of dipping in the dirty Jordan River. He said, aren't our rivers back home better, cleaner than yours? Why do I have to wash in your river in order to be healed? His desire to be healed of leprosy was strong enough to get him all the way to Israel to Elisha's house. But the disappointment of his unmet expectations would rob him of what he came for in the first place. And so Naaman thought his only need was healing from leprosy. But God desired to do something in the life of Naaman that was far greater than healing his leprosy. And so this humbling process was necessary to accomplish everything God desired to do for Naaman and in Naaman. Naaman's disappointment in his unmet expectations was so great that he left angry without getting what he came for. Thirdly, overcoming disappointment. Naaman's officers had great affection and respect for Naaman. They didn't want him to go home without being healed of leprosy. They knew what a future with leprosy would mean for this man that they loved and admired. So they tried to persuade him to do what the prophet had told him to do. After all, Naaman, what do you have to lose? If the prophet had asked him to do something difficult, well, he would have done that. Why would he be stubborn and allow his disappointment to hold him back from doing this very simple yet humble act? So Naaman decided that they were right. And he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan River 
as the prophet Elisha had instructed him to do. When Naaman emerged from the seventh and final dip, we are told that his skin became as healthy as a young child and he was healed from leprosy. Immediately, Naaman and his entourage returned to Elisha to thank him and tell him what had taken place. Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except the God of Israel. Naaman chose to trust God even in the midst of his unmet expectations and his deep disappointment and was rewarded with not only physical healing, but a commitment to serving God faithfully from that moment forward. In terms of an application this morning, there are two applications that I'd like to draw from our scripture today. The first one is, you owe me, you owe me. There's no question that there are expectations from God for those of us who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Since Jesus laid down his life for us, we then in turn respond to his grace by living as he asks us to live. It's truly a relationship. However, I believe sometimes we reverse the priority and our expectations of God dominate our relationship with Jesus. And we become more focused on what we believe that we are entitled to as followers of Jesus then we are focusing on what we bring to Jesus as disciples of Jesus. In simplicity, our attitude sometimes is this. Since we're serving you, Jesus, then we expect certain things from you. Actually, you owe us. Now, we have to be careful because this kind of thinking can be harmful and can lead us into setting unrealistic expectation that in the end become disappointment for us. Now, to be honest with you, I can personally relate to this. For nearly 33 years now, I have served God in full-time ministry. Entering into full-time ministry meant giving up my priorities, what I had planned to do with my life, and saying yes to Jesus to serve him wherever and however he desired. Now, that decision has come with realities and sacrifices that I've been more than willing to embrace. However, in exchange, the only thing I really ask of God is that he take care of my family. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. But in return, I want you to make sure that my family is okay. Now, I will admit this morning that I have expectations of what that should look like. I have expectations of what I want God to do for my family. However, there are times when it appears that God is not keeping his end of the bargain. And I have to remind God, God, you had one job. You had one job, take care of my family, and you're clearly not doing your job. My disappointment in these moments flow out of unrealistic and misunderstood expectations. That if I do this for God, then he owes me and is therefore obligated to do this for me. If I were to be brutally honest today, what I'm doing in these moments is asking God to serve me, please me, answer to me, rather than the other way around. 
Now, I'm sure there are many of you who've had expectations regarding your marriage, your children, your family, your job, your finances, and your health. And things have not always turned out or have not turned out as you've expected. I'm sure that some of you are disappointed. You're disillusioned. You're frustrated. You're angry. You feel helpless and hopeless. And perhaps you're questioning, even blaming God for not intervening as you expected him to do. Like Naaman, we find ourselves rehearsing how we wanted God to act, how we expected God to act. After all, since we've given our lives to serving him, God owes us. And like Naaman, we are broken warriors. Secondly, it's not over. The story of Naaman that we have considered today took place a few thousand years ago. We're reading this story in its completed format. We're able to walk with Naaman through his different challenges and then experience along with him his victory in the end. Naaman's story is finished. It's complete. It's done. The end. They all lived happily ever after. Now, there are a lot of important lessons that we can learn from Naaman's story. There's encouragement that we can receive from Naaman's story because we can see in hindsight as we consider his story, how it ends and why all the parts of his story, even the disappointing ones, were important. And ultimately, we can see how they all came together and how God was faithful. Many of us today find ourselves right in the middle of our stories. We're presently in the struggle. We're presently unable to see God's hand at work. We can't see how it's going to end. We can't see the benefit that awaits us as we allow God to bring us through. We know our pain. We have our expectations of how we think God should respond. And many of us are far enough into our stories to be disappointed that God hasn't come through for us like we wanted him to yet. It is in these moments that we need to look at stories like Naaman's and listen to the stories of other followers of Jesus that we may know, and also remember other times in our lives when God was faithful and brought us through. As a reminder to us that even though things are different than we expected, God is not finished writing our story yet. Like Naaman, perhaps some of us are about to walk away angry, disappointed, because we've lost hope, because we're tired of waiting. We're tired of longing and praying and expecting and believing. So let me be that person today, like Naaman's officers, who cares about you and encourages you to not give up yet. Keep going. That God has not brought you this far to only bring you this far. Folks, your story is not done yet. You can't give up now. In conclusion this morning, it's true. Many of us are hurting. We're disappointed because we had expectations and those expectations weren't met. But don't give up. God's not finished with you yet. 
and he's accomplishing more than you could ever hope or dream, but in the middle of the story, you can't see it. So don't let disappointment of unmet expectations keep you from experiencing what God wants to do in your life.
Thank you for joining us today. If we can be of assistance to you, please do not hesitate to reach out to us through email or a telephone call and we'll respond to you as promptly as possible. God bless you and have a great week ahead.